As we turn to scripture, let's pray together. Oh God, in these ancient words, let us find fresh life, fresh hope, and fresh courage. In the spirit of Christ, we pray. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the gospel according to John chapter 20. Let's listen for what the spirit is saying to us. When it was evening on that day, that is Easter Sunday, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. This is the word of the Lord. You know, the last time I preached this story, the story of doubting Thomas was in 2020. Do you remember 2020? We celebrated an unusual Easter that year. There was no gathering at church. There were no lilies or trumpet blasts or shouts of hallelujah. Do you remember? COVID had shut everything down. So we sheltered in place and we huddled around our laptops or our iPhones. And the only people who could hear our hallelujahs were the family members that we were spending entirely too much time with. That was an unusual Easter, but in some ways, it was a good reminder that the first Easter did not take place in church. There were no lilies or trumpet blasts or shouts of hallelujah then either, just whispers of an empty tomb, whispers that left the disciples dazed and confused and unsure what to do next. And sometimes that's where we find ourselves on the Sunday after Easter, dazed and confused and unsure what to do next. Now, I should say this is not really the Sunday after Easter. The Christian tradition says that Easter is a feast that lasts for 50 days. It takes 50 days to get the point, to get all the hallelujahs out of our system. So today is not technically the Sunday after Easter. It's the second Sunday of Easter but it doesn't always feel that way. For most of us, by this point, the alleluias have evaporated like morning mist. 
Things have pretty much returned to normal and we've packed away all the Easter decorations and put away all the plastic eggs and tossed the peeps in the trash can and moved on with our lives. That's why the Sunday after Easter today is called a low Sunday. Low not only because attendance is usually low, but low also because sometimes our energy is low, even our confidence is low. We're not quite sure what to do with Easter. The disciples didn't know what to do with Easter either, and that's why they were hiding all huddled together in fear. Now, I need to say this. John says it was because of fear of the Jews, but we need to be aware that John is spinning right now. And over the centuries, that spinning has been really, really dangerous. Texts like this have sometimes been used to fuel anti-Semitism. The disciples weren't afraid of the Jews. The disciples were Jews, every single one of them. They may have been afraid of the Jewish religious leaders. They almost certainly were afraid of the Roman authorities who had just executed Jesus. But they weren't afraid of the Jewish people. They had plenty of other reasons to be locked up in fear and isolation. Well, somehow Jesus slips past their defenses, and then he does several odd things. He says, peace be with you, maybe to let them know that they don't need to be afraid anymore, that there's something larger than their fear at work in the world. Then he shows them his wounded hands and side, a reminder that none of us finally escapes our wounds. They can be healed, but we still carry them with us. And then did you notice he... He breathes on them, breathes the Spirit on them, knowing they will need all the courage and creativity they can find in the days ahead. And he talks to them about forgiveness because only if we can forgive each other, only if we can let go of grudges and regrets does life have a chance. One of the 12 named Thomas wasn't there when all this happened. We can gather from the story that Thomas had his doubts. Of course, that's really all that Thomas is remembered for, being a doubting Thomas. But I like to think Thomas is one of those people who had, had no interest in second-hand religion. Somebody said somebody saw something. No, thank you. He wanted to see for himself. He had heard the same whispers about an empty tomb, but he was in no hurry to believe those stories, and he was in no hurry to be in lockdown with the rest of the disciples. So it was a week before Thomas finally finds himself with the other disciples in that room. Once again, the doors were shut. Once again, Jesus slips through. Thomas says he will not believe unless he touches Jesus' hands and side. So Jesus holds out his hands Hands that had made mud out of clay and spit to heal a blind man. Hands that had washed the dusty, tired feet of the disciples. Hands that had blessed and broken bread that fed a multitude. Jesus offers Thomas his wounded hands and sides, side and says, touch and see and believe. So, what might we learn from this story, the story of doubting Thomas? I do think it tells us something about doubt, about living with uncertainty. We live in interesting times, chaotic times. We're on the other side of COVID for the most part, but it still feels like the ground beneath our feet is unsettled. 
No one is quite sure what the world will look like or what the church will look like in the years ahead. It's a time of disorientation. And in situations of disorientation, we are sorely tempted to cling to old answers, even if they haven't served us well, or to rush too quickly to new answers. Anything to take away the discomfort of uncertainty. Rollo May said, It is an ironic habit of human beings to run faster when they have lost their way. Maybe this story points to another way. In the midst of disorientation, when something new is on the way but it isn't here yet, maybe we should accept our unknowing and be suspicious of easy answers. Maybe we should keep asking questions and trust our doubt. I've known a number of doubters in my time as a minister, atheists, agnostics, everything in between. Some come to sit with a believing partner. Some come to enjoy the music. Some come because their parents make them come. Some come because they're looking for community. There's a story about an avowed atheist who goes to synagogue every week without fail, and one day the rabbi stops him and asks him why he comes. And he said, I don't believe in God, but I know Mr. Goldberg does, so I come to sit next to Mr. Goldberg. Goldberg talks to God, I talk to Goldberg. Not everyone can check all the right boxes of belief, but they're haunted by the possibility of something community, goodness, transcendence, something, so they keep coming back. And I always want whatever church I'm a part of to be a place where those who doubt know that they are welcome. And you know, sometimes the doubters even wear robes and preach sermons. Today is celebrated in some places as Holy Humor Sunday. I don't know if you've ever heard of this. It has something to do with the laughter of Easter. So worship leaders tell all sorts of bad church jokes on the Sunday after Easter. So I can't resist this joke. A woman is getting ready for church and her partner is still in bed. And so she says to him, okay, it's time to get up and get ready for church. And he says, no, I'm not going to church. Let's not do this every Sunday. Come on, get up and get ready for church. No, he says, I'm not going to church. I'm done with church. I've had it. Uh, Church is boring. It's full of hypocrites. I don't believe any of that stuff. I'm not going. She says, all right, I'll give you three reasons why you should come to church. First, it's good for you. Second, it's good for the kids. Third, you're the minister. There have been Sunday mornings when I can relate to that. Sometimes even the minister comes because of Mr. Goldberg. Sometimes when we can't see the light, we come to sit next to someone who can. Now Jesus says, blessed are those who believe, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. But I also believe there's a blessing for those who have not come to believe and yet keep trying to see. Maybe there's even a blessing for those who have tried and given up. Don't forget, it was Thomas's doubt that led him to a deeper revelation than all the rest of the disciples put together. And especially in a world where so much is unsettled, 
where we are tempted to take hold too quickly of easy but wrong answers. Doubt can be our friend. Doubt can make deeper revelations possible. Of course, even as we trust our doubt, we do need something to hold on to so we're not tempted to reach too quickly for easy answers. Maybe those same gifts Jesus gave his first disciples will do. Forgiveness, which makes life possible. The Spirit, which gives us courage and creativity. His wounded hands and side, which call us to attend to our own wounds and the wounds of others. And finally, peace. The promise that there's something larger than our fear at work in the world. So friends, on this second Sunday of Easter, let us trust our doubt, but let us also trust the gifts of Easter. No matter our faith or doubt, peace can find us, healing can find us, love can find us, joy can find us. Hallelujah. Amen.